Hello everybody, welcome to the episode. Today I'm excited to be joined by Sarah Rand from AIR. And so Sarah is the communications lead for the National Survey of Public Education's response to COVID-19, which is a project with at the American Institutes for Research. So welcome, Sarah. We're happy to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, as we know, you're leading this project on the National Survey. So just first for everybody, I would love if you could share a bit about uh, first AIR and then what the project has entailed. Sure, sure. Well, the American Institutes for Research or AIR, we are a nonprofit social science research organization. And our mission is grounded in the fact that we want to generate and apply really rigorous evidence that makes our world better and more equitable. So these are there are many issues at play within COVID-19 and the pandemic. And when the pandemic began last spring, our leadership team got together and thought about, well, what could our organization do? You know, we're a research organization. We've got smart people who want to help out in education, and we wanted to do something to contribute. Um, so we launched a survey. Um, the goals of this survey were to really document the moment. You know, we've never experienced anything like this in recent history. Um, you know, we wanted to just get a sense of what was happening in schools. Um, and we wanted to provide really actionable information to educators, policymakers, and researchers to best inform education practices. Um, and I would say most importantly, and what I'm seeing is that we're really shining a light on the inequities that are persisting and growing, unfortunately, during the pandemic. That absolutely makes sense. And it's really helpful to have research such as this to inform those practice decisions, whether it be for school administrators or teachers. So this is great. Um, and I would love to know a bit more about the how behind the survey, whether that be who was surveyed or uh, what questions were asked, anything like that. Sure. So um, if you're familiar with research, you know that sometimes it um, operates quite slowly at a turtle's pace. Um, but for this project, we have been operating as fast as possible. Um, and our researchers are working so hard to make this um, research accessible and um, and get it out there on a, in a timely way so it's useful. So back in March when the pandemic began, our research team got together and started putting together a survey. Um, so we developed the survey over the course of about a month and a half, which is pretty quick for a research team. Um, usually that takes months. Um, and we launched the survey in May of 2020. Um, and we administered the survey to over um, we sent it to over 2,500 school districts and about 260 charter management organizations, which made up a representative sample of districts and CMOs across the United States. We had about a 30% response rate, um, considering what school leaders were dealing with last summer. You know, the fact that we got 30% of those folks to take the survey is good. So we had about 800 respondents. Um, the survey asked about a wide variety of things. It asked about school closures, um, including the timing of school closures due to COVID. Um, it asked about distance learning approaches and challenges. Um, it also asked specifically about supporting students with disabilities and English learners, which are particular groups that um, have struggled during the pandemic. 
Um, it also asked about district policies and requirements such as grading and graduation, staffing and human resources and the teacher side of things, which we know has been also affected by the pandemic and also health, well-being and safety. So it asked about a whole lot of things. The survey was long. It took about 45 minutes to complete. Um, we administered this survey over the summer. So it was open for about uh, two months. And then we wrote several research briefs um, that we released this fall. We focused on English learners, students with disabilities, and also how district approaches to remote instruction differed um, across districts across the US. Wow, and I know that we are sharing some of the information and resources from this survey on ELA's website. So that's definitely a great place to check out more. And so with all of that research that you did with the survey, I'm curious, what are some of the main findings from the project so far? Yeah, so we have some interesting findings, um, some of which if you work in education, you might not find that surprising. But what I find really helpful about this project is that it puts actual numbers and solid data behind those assumptions. So here, I'll talk through a couple of the findings and you can read through the research briefs that are listed on the website, uh, our project website, and also the ELA website. So one of the things we found was that there were significant differences in the expected frequency of teacher and student interactions by district characteristics, such as like poverty or urbanicity, if they were urban or suburban or rural. And we found that the vast majority of the districts, like 97%, were prioritizing weekly teacher and family communication during spring of 2020. So we know that teacher and family communication is a super important component of having positive relationships. So it was really encouraging to see that students of all kinds were making teacher and family communication a priority. Another thing we found was that in high poverty districts, and we refer to districts where there's greater than 20% child poverty rate, um, we're less likely than low poverty districts to say that staff that were trained in social emotional supports were available to all families who need them. So 38% of high poverty districts said that staff trained in SEL supports are available to all families versus and 54% of low poverty districts so this is important for a couple of reasons. One is that higher poverty communities need uh, support, especially now more than ever. Um, it also gives you some numbers to work with and to use as evidence. Um, and it also yields district provided evidence for what we might otherwise uh, suspect. Another interesting finding was that teacher familiarity with digital learning tools was less likely to be reported as a barrier to teaching and learning equitably during the pandemic in districts where professional development on how to deliver instruction online was widely available before the pandemic. So this makes sense, you know, if you're a teacher in a district where you're using online instruction tools re regularly, um, you know, this was an easier shift for you uh, when mm -hmm. the pandemic happened. So, you know, there was no way for districts to expect or prepare for such a big disruption with the pandemic. But in the end, we see that districts who were better prepared and had PD on online instruction for teachers before the pandemic definitely coped with the coped better with the challenges um, that the pandemic posed. Related to English learners, which we know is an important group that has been affected by the pandemic, 
we saw that urban districts were much more likely to provide resources and instructional requirements for English learners than rural districts. And if you look at our report, you can see there's a couple explanations for this, one of them being that urban districts often have higher percentages of English learners in their districts, so they're more well equipped to provide those resources. And then the last finding I'll talk about is that it was overwhelmingly difficult for districts to provide special education services during this time. I've heard from many special parents of special education students that they have really struggled. Um, and this really speaks to a bigger issue about how we support students with disabilities and how we prepare teachers to teach all students. This is getting at some of those equity issues that this project is trying to address. So many of the schools that did well with the transition to virtual learning were the ones that had universally designed instruction already in place. So the extreme difficulty that districts had just puts a spotlight on larger issues already occurring. That's an incredible findings. Like you mentioned, for some people, a lot of those they'll already know whether they have seen it in their classrooms as teachers or they've witnessed it as parents of a student but I think that just provides more information and action items for schools and districts on how to move forward and learn from this year, not just forget it once we can return in person um, eventually. I'm hopeful that despite all the challenges that COVID-19 um, has caused uh, for teachers and for students and families, that hopefully this has shed a light on some of the inequities and um, just provided some more information about how we can address those and improve education for all students. Absolutely. And I know you shared with this survey and the project overall that it's a continuous effort. It wasn't just that initial questionnaire, but that the work is continuing to grow. So what are some of those plans for this next year with the project? Yes, so we are continuing this project into 2021. When we started this in 2020, we obviously did not know how long the pandemic would last. Unfortunately, it still persists and schools are still dealing with challenges. So we still want to address um, this moment and capture data about what is happening. So. Um, this project is funded by our um, AIR Equity Fund. It's an internal investment project. Um, so we received additional funding to continue the project into 2021. And we just launched our second survey on January 26th. This went out to our original sample of 2,500 district superintendents and 260 charter management organization leaders. We are in the middle of administering that probably through the month of February. So if you're listening to this and you are a school district leader or CMO leader and you have received an invitation from us to take the survey, please do, please do. Um, and then we will administer two more short, what we're calling pulse track surveys in the spring before the end of the school year, just to track what is happening throughout the end of the year. We know that there are so many changes happening before the end of the school year, obviously a new change in our administration at the federal level. We know that many state policies are changing, budgets are changing, um, you know, with the vaccine rollout, hopefully we'll see some light at the end of the tunnel. So we just want to 
really capture what's happening in this moment. And then um, in February, we are finalizing a few more research briefs that you can find on our project webpage. These are about teacher familiarity with digital learning tools, social emotional supports for students, teacher interactions with students and families, and then also how charter management organizations approach remote instruction. So we will share data from the 2021 surveys as soon as we can. We'll get our researchers working hard very quickly. Um, so we'll share that data on a rolling basis this spring and into the summer to help inform practice and policy. Great. And now I, I know you mentioned the project webpage, um, and of course we want to share more info from AIR. So where can people go to learn more? So the best way to just keep up with this project is to sign up for the AIR newsletter. You can go to AIR.org, and I think at the bottom of the page you can click to sign up for our newsletter. We'll be sharing report releases and updates there. You can also visit our survey project webpage on the AIR.org website. You'll find it linked on the right side of the AIR.org homepage. You can also follow us on social media, on Twitter at AIR informs, and also follow the hashtag AIR COVID survey. And then in February, we are thrilled to be doing a webinar with ELA um, to discuss our findings about social emotional supports for students. So you can sign up for that at educatingalllearners.org backslash events. Yeah, so if people want to know more to follow up, definitely check out those websites and follow them on social media. And we're excited to partner on more work and share some of these resources for people. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Check it out. And of course, check out more information on the Educating All Learners Alliance on our YouTube channel. Subscribe at Educating All Learners and follow us on Twitter at EducateAll underscore org. Until next time, this is the Educating All Learners Alliance podcast.